Good morning, everyone, and everyone out in Zoom land. Before we get started this morning, I need to invite Karen up because she has a very important announcement for us. And I think I might even have a microphone for you. I have no idea if it's functional, but we can try. There's an on button somewhere. Maybe, maybe not. Oh, yes. Yay. Love technology. Good morning. So I am part of the governance implementation team, and I do have an important announcement, but I think even better than that, it's an exciting announcement. So for the past oh, many weeks, uh, you've been contributing ideas and inspiration and thoughts about what we want to be as a community and what our vision and our mission should be. So yesterday, a group of very hardworking people gathered, uh, Declan Kiley, Adam Snyder, Louise Cherich, um, Audrey Brooks, Lynn Turvey, myself, um, I'm missing people, Mike Keast, yes, and Reverend Rosemary and Audrey Brooks. And we, they, I got the easy job, I just had to facilitate, they did all the hard work. Um, looked at all the feedback that you've given we did some exercises to kind of solidify in our minds the culture of the congregation where we wanted to be and came up with a vision statement and a mission statement these are not written in stone so these are the starting points that we will discuss as a community um, and just to remember that they're sort of read and taken in context with a lot of other things and so a vision is an aspirational statement. It's future focused, it's where we want to be in say about five years. The mission is the work that we'll do to get to that vision. So a little bit more detailed, a little bit more granular. And then that's all read within the context of our UU principles and our values. Uh, we'll also work on a covenant statement. We started that, um, didn't quite get finished. We were here from 10 until two yesterday. We've got a lot done, but not quite everything. So we'll, we'll come back and revisit that. But I just wanted to share with you the vision that we came up with is we open doors to all seekers and nurture spiritual growth and positive social change for a just and healthy world. And UCE's mission is to inspire social change by challenging the ordinary, engaging community, and inviting all to the table. We do this by providing an intentionally inclusive home, nurturing spiritual growth and transformation, fostering learning opportunities and outreach opportunities, welcoming all age groups and supporting actions for social causes. So I've left some felt pens just on the table by the side. Following the service, I would invite you to share any thoughts, questions, comments that you have on either of those statements. Um, on the posters just to the right of each one, and we'll keep working on it until we figure we've landed. 
And for those of you at home on Zoom, if you have any commentary to share, you can please add it into the chat box or email Karen or anybody else at the church, and they would love to hear from you as well. Okay, once again, welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My name is Erica Denive. My pronouns are she, they. Today is our pride service, and so we will be talking about pronouns a lot. And for those of you at home on Zoom, you have an option to put your pronouns on your Zoom um, profile. Um, there is an easy way to do it just on your takedown menu, and you can have those pronouns show up all the time or just part of the time um, during any Zoom call or meeting that you like. Um, we're going to be talking a lot about pronouns and gender and uh, different ideas around that today and give you a better idea of what we mean by all of that, but we wanted to let you know that those are options for those of you at home as well. So, the Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a welcoming, inclusive community, as we have just heard with our new vision and mission statements. So whomever you love, however you envision your spiritual journey, you are welcome here. We are gathered together on Treaty 6 territory, which is indigenous land here on Turtle Island. We share this space with diverse indigenous cultures and we are grateful to be on this land with them. And we hope to continue to uphold the treaties that we entered into with them and this morning we are going to celebrate some different treaties and ideas around what it means to be in community and inclusive and so our youth group um, as has been our tradition for a couple of years is presenting to you today our pride service and so i hope you will welcome all of them as they come up and present to you their different portions of the service this morning and right now who is coming up to kindle the chalice when My name is Ren, he, him, and I will be reading Come One, Come All by Ian W. Riddle. Come one, come all. Come with your missing pieces and your extra screws. Come with your hard edges and your soft spots. Come with your bowed heads and upright spines. Come all you flamboyant and drab, verbose and quiet fidgeting and lethargic. All you with large vision and tender hearts, all you with small courage and tender fears, bring your lisp and your stutter and your song, bring your gravel and your drawl and your lilt, bring your anger and your joy and your righteous indignation, 
misfits and conformists, and everyone in between, come into this space and be welcome. Bring who you are, bring where you've traveled, bring what you long for, and let us worship together. Good morning, my name is Declan Kylie, and I use he, him pronouns. Now, hopefully my use of he, him pronouns is easy enough to grasp because we're gonna take it up a notch this morning as I've been asked to tell you a little bit about neo-pronouns. This portion will be focusing specifically on the English language, although I have heard of other languages um, with gendered pronouns adopting neos. So simply put, Neo-pronouns are any singular third-person personal pronoun other than he, she, they, or it. Pronouns such as ze here, or ze zem, or am were coined to be a gender-neutral option instead of he or she, although the singular they still remains very popular. There are plenty of other neo-pronouns on top of that, and anyone can coin them. Generally, the attitude is that you can define your gender and, identi and identity for yourself even if that means using, using new words to describe it, which brings me to noun self-pronouns. For any number of reasons, some people view their gender as being tied to their interests or another aspect of their identity. So they use metaphorical concepts that have nothing to do with male and female as their gender and use pronouns to reflect this. Some popular ones I've heard of are bun and bun self, vamp and vamp self, fay, fair and fay self, and doll and doll self. You would use these sort of like a nickname. As an example, a dear friend of mine views Rot self as a ghoul or zombie. Rot has had an experience before in which Rot's heart briefly stopped. And nowadays, got, um, Rot is a goth and a horror fan. So zombies are an important aspect of Rot's identity. Thus, Rot adopted Rot, Rot, and Rot self pronouns. Noun self pronouns are a recent innovation but a uh, search for a third pronoun has had a lot of history. Wikipedia summarizes it well, and I will quote it for you here. The singular they, a popular non-binary pronoun today, emerged in the 14th century poem, William and the Werewolf. But newer pronouns were not coined until much later. The word thon, derived from that one, was introduced as a gender-neutral pronoun in 1858 and was added to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary in 1934 and removed in 1961. Z, that's Z-E, as a gender-neutral English pronoun, dates back to at least 1864. And in 1911, an insurance broker named Fred Pond invented the pronoun set here, hisser, and himmer, in which the superintendent of Chicago public school system proposed for adoption by the school system in 1912, sparking a national debate in the US with here, that's H-E-E-R, being added to the Funk and Wagnalls Dictionary in 1913. The Sacramento Bee used a gender-neutral here for 25 years, from the 1920s to the 1940s. In 1970, Mary Oroven invented the pronoun co and co-self, which gained use in cooperative communities in the Virginia, in Virginia called the Twin Oaks Community, where it, is, it was still in use as of 2011. In 1996, Kate Bordenstein used the pronouns Z and here, that's Z-E and H-I-R, 
to refer to a character in the novel Nearly, um, Nearly Roadkill. <laughs> the Oxford English Dictionary added an entry for Z in 2018 and entries for here and Zer in 2019. One last thing I want to add is that although neo-pronouns were coined with non-binary non people in mind, pronouns don't have to denote sex or gender at all. Many people consider pronouns to be part of gender presentation along with things like clothing and mannerisms. One example I've seen often is that some butch lesbians like to use he or they pronoun or even as women. If you, don't, if you ask me, it doesn't hurt for anyone to explore gender as a new, in a new way, even as a cis person. One last thing to mention, most neo-pronoun users know that they are new and different and understand that you might be unfamiliar and mess up. Try your best and hopefully we can move towards a more acceptance with new views on gender. Sometimes my steering's not great. Uh, we're going to go into our first hymn of the morning. It's in the Teal Hymnal, number 1019, and I believe, yes, we have words. So uh, please stand as you are willing and able to join us in hymn 1019, Everything Possible.
I'm going to share a poem with you that was written by a dear friend, uh, Heather Smith, one of the youth advisors from Westward, Westwood, pardon me, Unitarian Congregation across the river. Um, this poem is one that Heather has read at just about every large scale youth gathering that we have attended together. Uh, it was written quite a few years ago and is very specific to Heather's uh, experience, but I felt that this was a good place to share it. Oh, I'm sorry. My name is Maria Jenkins. My pronouns are she and her. Thanks, Erica. Dear trans kid in the waiting room, I finally got to be that person yesterday because you were there. I feel like it was a moment I've been training for since I came out myself 16 years ago because you were sitting there awkward and shy with your parents. I shot you the biggest smile I could as if to say, I see you there and I know your family. I wanted to be that adult loud and proud queer person with a long overgrown mohawk falling over one shoulder and shaved sides and an aging leather jacket and tattoos and piercings my whole life. And because you were there and because I was there and because I came out the year you were born, I was finally that person. I smiled at you. You smiled back and I said, I love your green hair. You looked shy and said, thanks. And because of all that, you let me be that person. I've always wanted to be that person. So thank you, young trans kid. I talked to your mom a few weeks ago. She's scared and confused and overwhelmed. But young trans kid, your mom loves you. She spoke about you with such softness and worry. She only wants the best for you. And she'd give you the sun if her arms could only reach that far. I'm going to try and sneak you a copy of one in every crowd. I hope you heard my smile saying, I'll fight for you. I'll stand up for you whenever and wherever I can, in doctor's offices and at the workplace and in bathrooms, on buses and playgrounds and back alleys. My ears are open and I've got your back. This fight is my fight too, and you don't have to face this battle alone. It's time for me to be the adult I needed when I was your age. Thanks for being so darn brave. I'll see you around, trans kid. Keep smiling. I just realized that I don't actually have in front of me the words that usually uh, preface our sharing our abundance, so I'm just going to wing it. Uh, it is one of our traditions in this church community to share one half of the unidentified contributions each week, well, each month, with uh, a different community organization outside of our own walls. And our June Sharing Our Abundance is with the George Spady Society. It is an inner city agency which provides overnight shelter to 72 adults. They also have a 20 bed detox for adults under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Admission is immediate and offered on a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week basis. So, um, there, yes, there is a, an offering plate next to the main entrance and exit to our sanctuary. And, of course, those of you online can visit the George Spady Society online to make a contribution there. Now, we've kind of gotten out of the uh, 
the habit of having a musical selection for sharing our abundance, mainly because we don't need the time to pass the plate around because that hasn't been happening because COVID. But uh, this is a, a song that I felt really strongly needed to be included in this service. It's by a group from, uh, well, they originated in Seattle called the Double Clicks. And the Double Clicks are two siblings, one female and one non-binary. And I actually, I'm in a, a fan Facebook group that is actually like admin modded by Laser, the non-binary member of the Double Clicks who also does most of the singing. So a couple of weeks ago when I was thinking about this, I just threw up a, a post on the Facebook group saying, you know, this is what we're doing. We're doing a pride service with a focus on gender for a Unitarian church, and it's gonna be posted to YouTube. And we've had problems in the past with copyright. And first of all, I was informed that all of the Double Clicks music is actually available on Bandcamp under a Creative Commons license, which basically means as long as you're not making money from it, use it as you like. But I also did get a, a reply directly from Laser saying, you are so good to use this song. So uh, let's listen to Wrong About Gender by the Double Clicks. And then after My prom was awesome, I have no regrets. Now that the Catholics all have emptiness, I can tell you honestly, it was all gay as hell. I don't know who invented the bottle that spins, but I know it's a fun game that everyone wins when you play it with closeted queers in a love carousel. When nobody thinks that it's real to be by Your hometown gets filled up with all sorts of lies And I'm sorry for all the straight roles that I failed at portraying But Lord grant me patience and Hugh grant me grace I never knew love till I looked in their face When they told me with tears in their eyes That this wasn't just playing and that isn't what happened, but it's what I remember. Don't tell the host, I don't want to offend her. I've never felt stronger while loving so tender. And we tried so hard, but we were still wrong about gender. Wrong about gender. Bicycle, pancake, omnipotent, queer Pick a prefix that fits you, I'm glad you're still here Me and God hate the people who tell you your feelings are fake The first person who made me feel good to be tall Who made me feel real in a whole way at all Wore the wrong kind of clothes that TV told me I should be right for Gay weddings and Boston showed it was okay If I hadn't known that, I might not be here today So let's try telling kids that their joy is a thing we will fight for And that isn't what happened, but it's what I remember We told the truth at the end of December We made the worst aquaries in that poor blender and we tried to learn, but we were still wrong about gender. No, that isn't what happened, but it's what I remember. We told the truth at the end of December. We made the worst aquaries in that poor blender. 
we're still wrong about gender. You know what comes next. Please join in from you I receive. My name is AJ White, and my pronouns today are they, she, and uh, this guy's pronouns are he, him. Okay, I'm going to talk about names. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of the adults that I've encountered have been asking me, why on earth do these kids keep changing their names? It's annoying. Well, <laughs> I respond to that by saying, um, Okay, what are you doing? Um, so what does it mean when we say dead name? And what are we talking about when we say chosen name? Well, um, a dead name is a name that we were given, but it represents something that we want to leave in the past. It represents someone who we're not anymore. My dead name is the name that's on my birth certificate, but it says something about me that I don't like. It says that I'm a girl. It also reflects something that happened to me and it reflects trauma in the past and I'd like to leave it behind. So I use a chosen name, which means that I use a name that represents the new me, who I am. AJ is me. AJ isn't female. AJ isn't male. It's not this or that, it's just who I am. And that's what's important. Now I'm gonna take everyone through a little exercise because I want people to understand what it feels like when people either refuse to call me by my chosen name or when they ask me weird questions like, what is your real name? or make comments like, what does your name stand for? Why are you using a male name? Okay, I would like everyone to close their eyes, please. And imagine something that is personal to you. Now, I don't mean like your job or favorite pet, I mean something that makes you, you. Something that is part of your identity. Now, I want you to imagine that I'm someone that you love. I'm your mother, your sibling, 
your friend, your partner, someone who you think cares for you, and they probably do. Now, I want you to imagine that I'm slowly pulling away at that thing that makes you you, because I'm uncomfortable with that thing, because I don't like that thing, because that thing challenges me. Just take it in for a moment. How does that feel? That this person who is supposed to care for you and supposed to support you and love you no matter what doesn't anymore. Not in that way. Because they're uncomfortable with a concept that is really important to you. Just take it in. Now when you're ready, slowly open your eyes and turn to a neighbor, someone you want to talk to, and I want you to talk to them about how this made you feel and how you think that you can change your attitude towards how you respond when someone asks you to use the right name. And how long are we going to do? Five minutes, let's say, ish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we want to. Yeah.
Sounds like some good discussions were happening. And if I know you folks, probably some of them were even on topic. <laughs> so our next musical selection is a bit of a treat for the congregation. Uh, Alora Kylie is going to be singing live for us. So I'm gonna make sure this is on and go ahead. Hi, my name is Elora. My pronouns are she, her, and I am ready to sing whenever, hopefully. We keep behind closed doors Every time I see you I die a little more Stolen moments that we steal as the curtain falls, it'll never be enough. As you drive me to my house, I can't stop these silent tears from rolling down. You and I both have to hide on the outside where I can't be yours and you can't be mine. But I know this We've got a loveless homeless Why can't you hold me in the street? Why can't I kiss you on the dance floor? I wish that it could be like that Why can't it be like that? Cause And every thought I'm in so deep, but I'll never show it on my 
Thank you so much for that, Alora. That was spectacular. All right. So you might have heard of the acronym TERF being thrown around nowadays online, in political discussions, or perhaps even in the news. But what is a TERF and why are they bad? How do I spot one and how do I respond to a TERF? In this section, my goal is to answer these questions with a nuanced understanding. So we will start with the definition. Trans-exclusionary radical feminists, aka TERFs, use the word feminism as a weapon to promote misandry. Let me clarify, true feminism is about equality between the sexes and rejecting all effects that the patriarchy has on both men and women. It should recognize the intersections that womanhood might have with other aspects of a person's identity, such as race, transness, or sexual identity. The patriarchy refers to the oppressive systems that discriminate against women. It is the idea that men are tough and women are fragile and so on. Although feminism aims to dismantle the patriarchy, misandry claims that females are always better than males. The patriarchy defined the classic idea of a man and a woman's role and what they are. It is a social construct. So in nature, these gender roles aren't real, but in a society, they are and they are and they have very real consequences to performing your gender in various ways. 
TERFs should recognize this and come, um, TERFs do recognize this and they come to the conclusion that gender should be abolished and we should only care about someone's biology to determine if they are a man or a woman. This is called bioessentialism. It's true that abolishing gender can sound appealing in many ways, including to trans people. That's a topic for another time though, <laughs> but to TERFs, they still believe in misandry, male bad, female good, us versus them. For most, it's a response to being directly hurt by men and by the patriarchy overall, but they use this hurt to wage war against maleness, and plenty of their vitriol is directed towards transgender women. TERFs think to themselves, males are evil, are evil, but it's next level for a male to claim womanhood, and they're ignorant to the struggles that trans women face. Because of this, many TERFs are lesbians who worry they will be forced to date a male-to-female woman. The primary target of a TERF are trans women, but trans men and non-binary people are not looked kindly upon by TERFs either. Their bioessentialism says that non-binary people should not exist and that trans men are women who want a way out of misogyny or are being convinced to become trans by influencers. Of course, trans men still face transphobia and those who don't pass as a man might experience misogyny anyways. So now that we know where the thinking comes from, it's important that I reiterate that TERFs are a radical hate group. Like most radicals, they like to disguise their beliefs and feed people their most reasonable arguments to slowly draw new people further into radicalism. They're sneaky, so you might unintentionally be harboring some TERF rhetoric. The following are some examples of issues that TERFs might use to win people over. Number one, the issue of trans women in sports. So TERFs will argue that males are biologically superior to females, therefore they have an advantage. This one cracks me up because right off the bat you can see that TERFs don't actually believe in equality. Whenever this discussion is had, it is often turns into a debate of uh, whether or not women or men are more athletic than women with the feminists arguing for men. It's a bit of a horseshoe. <laughs> that in trying to gatekeep womanhood, they accidentally threw themselves, in trying to gatekeep womanhood, they accidentally threw themselves into the 50s ideal of a woman. Excluding trans women from sports invites gender policing, which is harmful to all women. And trans athletes vary in athletic ability, just like cis athletes, athletes do. Number two is the issue of trans children. It's mostly wrapped up in a bunch of lies and misconceptions on what transition, transition actually is. By law, prepubescent children are not allowed medical transitions such as hormone replacement therapy, so testosterone and estrogen. They might be allowed puberty blockers, which will delay their assigned genders at birth's puberty until they are ready to make an informed decision and go on HRT. So they don't go through puberty until they decide to. Puberty blockers are reversible and safe. Otherwise, children are limited only to social transition, which are things such as going by a different name, pronouns, and gender presentation, which are all reversible. For teenagers and youth, many parents are concerned that their, chi that their children are being brainwashed, in brainwashed into a trans cult, and that just isn't real. More than likely, the kid was already trans but hadn't realized, and then meeting another trans person or seeing a trans celebrity helped them figure it out, just like um, Heather for the trans kid in the waiting room. Turfs are often, oh, number three, turfs are often offended by gender neutral terms like pregnant people as opposed to pregnant women. This one is pretty clearly about bioessentialism, 
but I figured I'd include it since some people are thrown off by the idea of trans men or non-binary people being pregnant. It is possible. Bathrooms, that's number four. Number four is bathrooms. Turfs love to paint the narrative that trans women are predators trying to sneak into women's bathrooms. They often use a hypothetical to argue this. I will say that this hypothetical is possible, but it is not any more common than a predator of any other identity. Bad trans women exist, but they are individuals who do not represent the group. No single person should have to represent their entire minority. So those are common bits of turf rhetoric that I've seen people accept. Hopefully, if you can understand the roots of turf beliefs, you can start to spot when it sneaks into a debate. And to help you identify them further, I will rapid fire list some turf dog whistles. So this is a list. Number one on the list, gender critical, which is referring to rejecting the patriarchal idea of gender roles. But as we discussed, they think man and woman refers to only sex. Uh, next point is biological women. Next point is adult human female as a gender for woman. They like these are all names that they use for themselves. Uh, next point is frequently using anatomy signifiers like XX chromosomes. Uh, next point is the term rad femme. Next point is saying only LGBT community or drop the T. Next point is talking about a cult of transgenderism. This goes back to the idea that teens are being brainwashed. The next point is getting really angry about being called cis because at the end of the day, TERFs believe that transgender just should not exist. So to fight TERF ideology, you can explain to people why their anti-trans arguments are wrong like I've done here. There are plenty of people who don't recognize that they're being radicalized and can still be pulled out of it. By pointing out TERF arguments, you can help educate others. That being said, sometimes with a committed radical, it is best to just disengage and not allow them any ground for speaking. Instead, focus your efforts on trans-inclusive feminism. Listen to trans women, reject the traditional narrow ideas of the gender binary, continue to learn, and be nice to people. Yes, if I can find the hymn. The hymn is 1053 in your hymn books. I don't know what it's called. It'll be up here. How could anyone? Thank you. It's me again. Um, <laughs> in case you didn't catch my name and pronouns before, it's Elora, she, her, cool. 
uh, we will now be extinguishing the chalice. So, Declan, do you want to come up and extinguish the chalice? Thank you, that would be amazing. All right. <laughs> this is a written piece called Any Other Questions by Victoria E. Safford. People ask me sometimes, is this a gay church? It is a privilege to answer. Ours is absolutely, gladly, hopefully, and humbly, gaily a gay church, a gay tradition where everyone included, and everyone included, including heterosexual members and friends, is welcome, where everyone is needed, where everyone's experience is cherished as a sacred text, because no one's experience of living or loving can be comprehensive, because each of us hold clues the others need about how to live with dignity and joy as a human person. And none of us knows enough about that yet to be considered whole. It is absolutely a gay church, even as ours is a gay world. If you would look around, gay church, straight church, people's church, a human congregation made holy by the holy hopes and fears and dreams of all who wish to come. Come in, we say, come out, come in. We are all in this together. I will not speak of tolerance with its courteous clenched teeth and bitter resignation. I will not speak about acceptance of other people and some other kind of lifestyle. I can only look in laughing wonder at human life in all its incarnations. I can taste only in passing the breath of the spirit of life on my mouth to understand our common longing to deep, breathe in deep, deep gulps of it. I cannot think of being anyone else's ally, because even I can't, oh, because, <laughs> One second, I cannot think of being anyone else's ally even, because even that implies some degree of separation, some degree of safety for some of us, not all. We are allied with no one and with nothing but love, the larger love transcending all our understanding within which all the different, differing, gorgeously various, variant, beautifully deviant aspects of ourselves are bound in elegant unity. I know that on some sad and disappointing days, these words describe the church that yet shall be and not the church that is. I know, I know. But I know too that to answer is an act of creation. To answer this question and some others is a privilege, a prophetic imperative, a joy, a duty, and a holy sacrament. Now, we will sing Carry the Flame. <laughs> Please rise and metaphorically join hands while we sing carry the flame <laughs> wonderful and we will now listen to our postlude uh everyone is gay and please feel free to dance because we are a dancing congregation <laughs> <laughs> 